What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Orr Podcast, JV Podcast Network. Just a quick uh, reminder before we jump into this, we're available YouTube, Apple, Spotify, new episodes out every single Monday, so be sure to uh, follow, like, subscribe, all that stuff so you never miss an episode today. Once again, producer Snowman and then another very special guest. We have a former decathlete at the University of Florida, multi-time SEC champion, ran at the 2012 Olympic Trials, heptathlon champion at the 2014 USA Indoor Track and Field Championships, and current coach, uh, track and field coach at Wake Forest. It is Greyhorn. Coach Horn, Greyhorn, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. We're really excited to do this. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So we just kind of went through a quick overview right there, some details of your background. How the hell did you end up on this show? Well, you know, you mentioned all the good things there. <laughs> you know, there's obviously the ups and downs when it comes to the decathlon. And, uh, you know, I came from a small town, same high school as uh, Joe, that you guys know very well over there at Stephen yeah. Football. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it was a situation where my grandfather was very experienced in the track and field realm. He had coached multiple sports over the past 53 years. He's 82 years old now and is still coaching. This would have been his uh, final season in track and field uh, if this pandemic had not hit. So uh, happy retirement, Coach Horn. Coach Horn is uh, kind of a generational thing, as you guys can tell. Uh, Joe, who's, uh, like I said, coaching over there at Tiff and uh, – his father's a football coach, grandfather's a football coach, and it just kind of runs in our family. So um, that kind of gave me the exposure to track and field at an early age. Started when I was 10 years old. I uh, was always passionate about it, tried to take it as far as I could. Ended up landing a full scholarship at the University of Florida uh, because of it. And just, you know, been very fortunate throughout my life to have such great mentors um, surrounding me. Um no, when I say fortunate, I can't like stress that word enough. I mean, it's just like some of the best names in track and field. I've had the opportunity to just kind of walk by at any given yeah. time and uh, be mentored by them. Um, they've taken me under their wing. And uh, just based on that, I feel like it's kind of an obligation for me to not waste, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, my talents, but as well as the uh, fortune that I've been given in this sport. And uh, I feel very convicted about that. Awesome. Nice. Well, that's well, what's led up to Wake Forest. There you go. Well, okay, so before we dive too deep into this, explain to everyone, including us, I think we there's more that we need to know, what all goes in, what are all the event, events that make up a decathlon and a heptathlon? Right, so uh, the decathlon, what everybody says, you don't normally choose it, it usually chooses you. Uh, I was very talented in a couple of individual events in track and field, but I wasn't talented enough in any one single event to take me the whole way to the Olympic Games. So I chose the decathlon for a couple of reasons. Number one, I liked the idea of being a complete athlete, mm -hmm. just the big picture, um, being strong, fast, acrobatic, whatever have you. And uh, what the decathlon is, is a 10-day, uh, or excuse me, two-day, 10-event uh, challenge, five events each day. The first day consists of the 100-meter dash, long jump, shot put, high jump, and then you finish day one with a 400-meter dash. You go back the next day, you run the 110-meter hurdles, you throw the discus, you pull vault, you throw the javelin, and then you run the 1,500 meters, which is just short of a mile, to uh, to finish off the entire event. So, you know, me being 6'4", 220 pounds, it was always kind of difficult for me to get <laughs> the mile. Um, 
I guess the mindset of running the mile uh, was always the hardest part for me, but I ended up being above average in the mile somehow, some way. So it's uh, more of a mental test than a physical test. Uh, people think that it's very much cardio based. It's actually, you get plenty of rest in between each event. So it's not like uh, you can't compare it to a triathlon. You can't compare gotcha. it to a marathon or any of those kinds of things. It's more of a, shorter more explosive uh athletic feet than it is a uh marathon per se yeah so it, yeah in a nutshell that's what the deck is yeah how about that that's extremely interesting i was <laughs> gonna ask but you you know you you covered it there you know because i think about you know even like snowman when we would go to some of these like college football camps or whatever and they put you yeah. through you know the ringer of the cone drill and the 40 and you know those are explosive right you know, shorts, you know, only a few seconds at a time, but usually they're, they're making you go through and you're almost doing them back to back to back. So that's, that does make sense though, that you or it's different, I guess. And you said like a triathlon where there is that right. proper rest in between. Um, speaking of rest and training and things like that, as you mentioned already, as people know, this was supposed to be an Olympic year. It's looking like it's going to be in 2021. Yep. So for, you know, the way that I see it, you know, this is for people, for athletes that are competing in events like that you did, that's way different than the Olympic athletes that are going there and playing basketball. It's a different training regimen. You're kind of building up and you're, you know, you have it down to a science and you're building up so that you peak at the right time. I kind of compare it to, you know, a pitcher in baseball, getting his arm ready throughout the winter. And then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new stage in spring training. So that way, when the regular season comes around, the starters are able to go out there and do their five to six innings, then build up, you know, to, to seven innings once and, and so on and so forth as the season goes on. You know, I Absolutely. imagine these athletes, you know, what does this year, this delay, this pushback do for their training? Because they're, they were working to build up and, you know, summer, you know, we're going to blink and it's going to be August. And we're like, these are when the games were supposed to be and they're not. So you know, we've never seen this before. So what are the athletes going to do? What are they going to have to do? How is this going to throw off their protocol and their training? Absolutely. And, you know, my job right now is to consult athletes that are uh, in that position right now, I'm consulting with a couple of Olympic hopefuls. And honestly, the biggest thing that we have to do right now is stay competitive. So, you know, number one, finding a facility that's open is going to be a bigger challenge, uh, regardless of what state you're in. Um, so, a lot of time trials, a lot of uh, competition simulation, kind of like getting yourself to maintain the competitiveness and that kind of thing. Um, it's just hard that we don't have the opportunity to compete at all this year. And for indoor track, or for track and field, I guess, luckily we had indoor season this year. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't completely taken away from us. We're still sharp, but the um, biggest thing is the isolation. You know, I find myself doing a lot of coaching on zoom calls kind of like this or just video feedback uh those kinds of things uh but the biggest thing is to just stay competitive and stay in the mindset because right now we're in a situation where we're supposed to be competing right now we're supposed to be getting ready for the ncaa division one championships right now so and given that we're not doing that i've been challenging my kids to uh just you know give them certain tasks like time trials or you know, small things, just stay competitive, I guess, in the general nutshell. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. But uh, once, I'd say around the middle of June gets here, which is when the U.S. Olympic trials were supposed to be, that's when we'll kind of take a break. And I'm just hoping that one, when the fall comes back around, we'll be business as usual. And if we're not, then we'll adjust accordingly like we have this entire time. Absolutely. So, so, what you, so basically, you're going to tell, like, the Olympic uh, athletes to basically like take a break 
and then you know yeah. start uh, start yeah. build up again once the middle of June comes. But uh, you know, and like I said, we're just trying to uh, recreate reality as best we can right, right now. You know, just uh, staying competitive with time trials or you know competition scenarios, uh, which is obviously hard to do given everything is closed right now. But uh, we have, for the most part, found a way to make that possible. Um, but after that, take a small break, maybe a month or so, and we're just going to hope that once the fall comes around, it'll be business as usual, sure. which is the ideal situation, but you never know. Absolutely. So staying on the topic of the Olympics, back in 2012, I read and saw that you were a bronze medalist at the qualifiers, but your quality standard or whatever that was wasn't where it needed to be. That score wasn't where it needed to be for you right. to go to London and also a little bit more background. Usually if you're a bronze medalist, you're in the top three there and you have that score, yep. you would be able to go to the Olympics. So take us through that moment, those thoughts, those feelings, you know, running well and, you know, running well enough, but not having the score to be able to go and, and compete in London at the Olympics. Right. Well, the story is there. Um, the 2012 Olympic trials is the only outdoor track and field meet that I competed in all year. Wow. And, uh, here's why. So the, uh, I was at the 2012 NCAA, uh, division one championships and, um, at Boise state, I believe they were at that year. And, uh, I was, uh, the favorite to win by far. And, uh, the indoor heptathlon, the pole vault is the second to last event. And going into the pole vault, I was winning the meet by 260 points. It was essentially over. All I had to do was make a bar in the pole vault, jog the thousand, and I'm NCAA Division One champion. My first warm-up vault, I pulled my hip flexor, and it was a little bit more serious than a pole, mm -hmm. right? Um, I could barely walk after it. So that took me out of that meet and essentially took me out of the entire outdoor season. So like I said, the only meet that I competed in was the Olympic trials, and I qualified um, via my indoor score, right? So that's how I qualified for the Olympic trials. <clears throat> Going into that meet, I think I was like 14th ranked or something. Like people had completely, like I wasn't even in the conversation just based on that. They thought I was hurt. They thought I was done. They thought I was going to come in on, you know, <laughs> basically crutches and just try to walk my way through this thing. But uh, ended up having one of the best meets of my life, um, it was actually my personal best score and still is my personal best score to this day. Um, I guess the uh, biggest problem that I had with the Olympic standard, and I think I was capable of making the Olympic standard, but if, if I would have had a little bit of a buildup to that point, as opposed to just showing up and giving it my best, I think I would have had a better shot. But, uh, you know, and, and the reality is, was I capable of hitting that score? Absolutely. The fact of the matter is that I didn't, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's nobody's fault. It was just kind of circumstantial. And I was just happy to walk out of there with a bronze medal. For sure. So that was, that was a uh, very lucky for me. And, you know, I would have loved to have made that Olympic team, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. Awesome. Well, let's, let's pull a Jordan documentary here and kind of go backwards and kind of throw things all around here. So your time okay. at Florida, do I have this correct? Was it 09 through 13? Uh, 8 to 12. 8 to 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So oh, Coach yeah. Horn, he did us dirty. He was off by ear. <laughs> that's okay. So uh, He's too old to remember anything. Yeah, that, that's right. He's, he's senile. Going, man. He's yeah. senile. He should have stuck with running. Much less physical than uh, all the hits in football. Yep. <laughs> um, so you were there during a crazy time. It wasn't quite 07 where the campus was just loaded. It's like Ryan Lochte and Dan Bolzerian, and obviously the football team was, was building up, but Tebow and Urban Meyer and all those guys are still there, and you yep. know, the basketball team won the national championship. It's like Horford and Corey Brewer and Joakim Noah. I mean, 
Florida was just loaded. It was insane in 07. I think even Cam Newton, before he ended up at Auburn, was on somewhere on that Florida roster. Cam Newton was in. Cam Newton was in my freshman class. Wow, that's that's yeah. nuts. That's and nuts. And he mentioned Ryan Lochte. He was one of my good buddies down there. <laughs> I lifted weights with them every morning my senior year. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So that's what we want to talk about here. Your time at Florida, it was just loaded athletically with people that have gone on in different sports, you know, Olympians, professional athletes, everything. Just did you ever run like it? You've already kind of said it. You've already run, you know, and had, you know, whether it was training, but running in the same social social circles. Like, what was that like to be on campus at that time? Did you realize like everyone was super talented? But now, what, looking back and what they've all gone to do, including yourself, are you just like, oh my gosh, like campus was just loaded at that time? Yeah, I had no idea what I was walking into. You know, I mean, who knew that I'd be buddies with, you know, guys like Riley Cooper, Aaron Hernandez, uh, Tim Tebow, those kind of guys that I would have interactions with every day. You know, buddies is probably a loose term. They uh, would see me now, they'd know my name, but not, you know, we weren't tight like that. Uh, yeah. Joe Hayden was also there yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, we were the number one track and field class in the country as well. Um, a couple of my freshman teammates were uh, Christian Taylor, Jeff Demps. Uh, Christian Taylor's a two-time Olympic gold medalist in the triple jump, just for reference. Uh, Will Clay joined our team that finally, uh, that next year. He's a three-time Olympic silver medalist. So just talent everywhere. Um, that 2008 year when I arrived on campus, we won that 2009 national championship in football. Yeah. Uh, with Tim Tebow, uh, remember that big upset that the Ole Miss had yeah. over Florida? I was sitting in the stands for all of that, and it was completely devastating. We're like, well, we thought we were going to win it this year, and then Tim Tebow walks up to the mic and says, hey, I promise you'll never see anybody work harder than me, and there we were. So it was a crazy time to be on campus, absolutely. But, um, yeah, looking back on it, I just I didn't know that, you know, those prominent names were going to be as prominent as they ended up being. What's the tell us the Tim Tebow airport autograph story? The Tim Tebow autograph story. <laughs> you know, I, you're, you're going to have to fill me in here. What are you talking about with that? Oh, when Coach Horn told us that you were in an airport and Tim Tebow oh, was the there recruit, with the recruit. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they and they, so at, and they came up to you. Tim, and not Tim did stuff like this all the time. Yeah, so I was a. Uh, I had a recruit um, on campus and I was going to pick him up and Tim Tebow just happened to be sitting there and I picked the recruit up and I said, Hey, uh, come this way real quick. And uh, there's Tim Tebow. Kind of was pretty awesome. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. And uh, for the record, the recruit did end up going to Florida that I was picking up from the airport. So <laughs> not bad. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and then speaking of interesting, cool people, coach Horn also gave us some background. Did you once, it was you either met him or spent some time or had dinner with uh, Bruce Jenner. Uh, yes. So here's the uh, story with that. Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner, we were in uh, Marburg, Germany at the time for the 2012 Thorpe Cup. In a nutshell, what the Thorpe Cup is, is um, the best seven United States athletes against the best seven German athletes. And it was right on the uh, heels of the uh, 2012 Olympic Games in London. So what they did for the Thorpe Cup, they had every uh, like living Olympic medalist for the decathlon. They had like a red carpet ceremony for them. And just because I was a member of the Thorpe Cup team, I was invited to that event. So, of course, Bruce is there. I uh, walk up to him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is that who? Yep, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I got a picture with him, got to talk to him and all that. And, yeah, after the Thorpe Cup was over, we went to this uh, 
Mexican joint where they do karaoke, that whole thing. And Bruce and I got to sit down, have a beer, and just kind of chat it up. It was it was a lot of fun. That's really cool. I can't imagine what it, I mean because for you, I mean, this is like. I mean, this is Bruce Jenner. It's the guy on the Wheaties box, an incredibly yep. famous, accomplished Olympian. I mean, Captain America. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's a real life hero right there. That that had to be crazy. Just to just the presence and the feeling and the aura. I, I can't I can't even imagine it. No, of course, and you know the seven uh, people that were on our team for the United States at that time, we were kind of like all sitting at a table and. He was telling stories, and a lot of them had to do with the Kardashians, all that. We're like, Bruce, you know, with all due respect, man, we want to hear the track stories. We want to hear we <laughs> want to hear about all of that stuff uh, we, we don't really care much about. And he's like, you know, guys, that's fine. You know, thanks for, for your honesty. So we, we got a lot of great track stories out of him that night. There you go. That's, that's really cool. A- anyone that really yeah. stuck out? I know you can't probably, you know. The, 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 <laughs> a lot the, of them. Uh, a lot of them mostly being after the meets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when the yeah. meets were over, the shenanigans that we would engage in, which, you know, to Catholics, we can be a little bit crazy sometimes. So there's quite a few of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You got to be to get, go through all those events. You have a little, have a little crazy to you. Yeah. For the sake of uh, Caitlin's privacy, I won't tell any of, of those stories. So. For sure. Yeah. The, there's the, the, the unofficial NDA, and we understand that's all good. Um, yep. So before, as we're building up to our, our Mount Rushmore here at the end, when we had uh, Coach Horn on, when we had Joe Horn on, I'm pretty sure we asked him this. Someone asked you the same thing. How cool is it to be the white guy who's just super fast and super athletic? It's not bad. You know, it's, it's not bad to find the stereotypes for sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, obviously I've never seen it that way. But it's uh, right. it's fun. Coming from a high school with 48 kids in my graduating class and – you know, middle of nowhere that wasn't really supposed to be a Division One athlete, uh, especially looking the way I do. It's uh, it's it's always been fun. Yeah, so I, I want to ask you about that. How did you and Joe Horn? I know you guys, you know, have the same last name, family, and everything. But you're like you said, you're at this D seven, super small school. Like you just yep. mentioned, not even fifty kids in your graduating class. Like, how do do the both of you end up at this school? And was it just um, you know, I can't even imagine how decorated, you know, of athletes and teams you guys were a part of. It just had to be just incredible domination there in your, your four years. No, it's insane. For the record, Joe's one of the best athletes I've ever met. And, you know, I've met some pretty damn good athletes. Um, just complete picture. I mean, like football, ball skills, you know, basketball. He's way faster. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a better jumper. I'm a better jumper than he is. And, you know, maybe can throw things farther. And that's what makes me a better track and field athlete. But uh, as far as foot speed as and going laterally, this guy, you couldn't catch it. You couldn't touch it. And that's what made him so great. So I've played, uh, I played a lot of pickup basketball with him. And, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like insane anymore. But I'm like, yeah, you can tell this guy was. Yeah, you just know, raw athletic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were uh, we were playing around in 2017. I think it was his first or second year at Tiffin when I was still there. Uh, right before we won the, uh, yeah. right before we won our second NCAA D2 title at Tiffin, and uh, he came down. He was wearing you know slacks and dress shoes and a polo, and we start messing around, and he just pulls up, pulls it behind his head, and just throws it down. I'm like, dude, what do you do? How do you still do that? I don't even know if I can still dunk, and he just. <laughs> Yeah, does it in grass shoes? Um, uh, it's insane, but yeah, yeah. For for some guys, it's it's just it's just unfair. It's like that's not supposed to 
that's not supposed to happen. Like that, that's just, yep. it's just not fair, but that's just the way she goes sometimes, I guess. Um, yeah, just a competitive spirit in every, in every aspect. So I'm going to hop on some call of duty with them after this call, I think. So <laughs> what, what do those wars go like? I, cause I imagine now I think this is funny because I always think about this too. Like as an athlete, when I competed and I only competed in high school and, you know, snowman's a college athlete, you're, you know, obviously way above our pay grade. But did you, did you ever find – I always felt that, like, I'm a super diehard Cavs fan. And I would get way more pissed and way more enraged watching, like, Cavs playoff games. And I'd be way more nervous and way more psyched out than I ever would be in any game that I had ever played as an athlete with myself. I was always calm, cool, collected for the most part. But, but when it comes to, like, video games or you're watching, like, your favorite team and you're just really invested in that – like, yeah. why did like th- that's a thing? Like other people are like that, right? Like, why does that happen? Well, you know, it's you train yourself mentally to be calm, cool, and collected because you know if you want to perform at the highest possible level, you have to be calm, cool, and collected, right? So, I think it's a situation where when you're watching your favorite sports team, for example, my favorite sports team is the Cincinnati Bengals. How do you think I feel right now? I just get so. <laughs> it's like your only opportunity to get invested in something else other than what you're doing. And uh, so I like to let loose in that way. Um, I'm that kind of sports fan. But, uh, yeah, on the track, you hardly ever see me show any emotion unless it was good emotion, right? So, um, but there's not many good emotions to be had about the Cincinnati Bengals right now, unfortunately. But you had a draft pick you, you ought to be looking forward to. Yeah, I already ordered my jersey. Nice. It, nice. Should, be here and it should be here any day now. So, yeah. So let's talk before we do Mount Rushmore. Let's talk some some Wake Forest here. You mad? You mentioned you've been doing a million Zoom calls. What have you been doing yep. with your with your athletes? You know, how have you been talking to them? How are they doing? Um, you know, how are you dealing with? You know, if you had any older guys on the team, you know, with their with their season. Now, obviously, the NCAA granted um, them. You know, if they want to, they can come back at that year of eligibility. But they, you know, like me, I was a senior. I missed out on you know a traditional graduation. How are you balancing? all of that stuff, you know, you have new kids coming in who didn't have a season at all. You have seniors who, you know, might not be coming back and they had that taken away. How are you balancing, you know, all of that through all this? And then obviously everyone has um, their own situation as well, personally at home with themselves, family, friends, and all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, fortunately I only had one senior within my group. And for the record, I coached the sprinters, the jumpers and the multi-event athletes here at Wake Forest. And, only had one senior, and uh, he's pretty keen to get life started. You know, he was a great sprinter for us, but uh, he won't be using his final season of eligibility, and he knew that regardless of this, he, he wouldn't be using that. So luckily for us, we don't have any heartbroken seniors uh, within my group that are facing that situation. But right now, we're kind of spread out all over the world. I've got uh, two athletes in Australia. I've got an athlete in Canada, and multiple in California and just kind of like spread out everywhere. So we like to do these Zoom calls just to stay face-to-face. We're a tight-knit group. Um, I promote that. I'm very family-oriented as far as that goes. So um, we kind of have that trust with one another, and I like to maintain that. And if we go months without seeing each other's faces, it's hard to maintain something like that, the uh, team camaraderie that we have, right? So I send them their workouts, tell them to do the best that they can, and uh, – obviously to stay safe. That's the number one thing for all of us right now, because we all work together to stay safe. We'll get back to doing what we love to be doing here uh, quicker rather than uh, delaying the process. So uh, we're handling it. We're managing, but um, I miss, I miss doing what I do for sure. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, should we do this? Is it time for power moves? Is it time for this Mount oh, Rushmore? Could be. I All right. It could be. <laughs> All right. Let's let's do this. So here's how we're gonna set it up. Um, you are our gracious guest, and you we we're gonna give you the first pick. We'll do it. You know, complete. Pardon my take ripoff. We'll do the full on snake draft. So we have our Mount Rushmore power moves. Uh, Coach Horn, you are on the clock. Hmm. Power moves. Power moves in life. I'd say the number one power move that anybody can make is to network. Network mm. well. Um, the way that you treat people within your uh, just in, in everyday life, you never know end up being your number one uh, card that you can play throughout your life, right? So network well, um, make people, people are rarely going to remember what you say, but they're going to remember how you make them feel. So any person that you interact with, make sure that you leave a good impression on them and then maintain those relationships. Uh, it's going to ultimately end up being number one, people that are going to be your best friends in your social life and your personal life, but number two, maybe your professional life as well. Uh, my career so far has been very network driven. So number one network for me. It's a great start. Great number one pick. That's very Joe Burrow-esque number one pick. That's a franchise right there. There you go. <laughs> uh, so right. my number one is uh, I'm pulling it from the last dance, and it is uh, the mullet guy doing the Jordan shrug after he beat him in that little uh, quarter game. That takes some, you know, balls to do that to, you know, Jordan. That's that does take some cojones. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So wrapping up round one here, and I have back to back. So my first one would be, you're you're at a restaurant and you have a chicken or beef option, and you ask the waiter or waitress chicken or beef, and if they and then whatever they say, you just say the opposite. Like, oh, the chicken's great. Be like, oh, I'll take the beef, and then you just hand them the menu. I was kind of offbeat on the uh, life power moves here. I got a little too serious, didn't I? No, yeah, yours oh, was – no, it's no, great. That's okay. Everyone has their own interpretation. When you were saying yeah. networking, I'm like, that's a really good one. I think my chicken or beef one is going to be right, looked down upon a little bit. I like it. All right, so that wraps up round one. And then um, to start off round two, I would say sending your girlfriend or wife flowers or getting them a gift on your on your birthday. That is a power yeah. move. When they least expect it. Yeah. Yeah. Am I up now? Yes, Am you I are. Now? All right. Uh, so this is the, we're going to go a little like Nat Geo wild here. And I read that in the world of bugs, when a male and female mantis mate, the uh, female eats the male's head after and kills the male after they're done mating. I would, I would consider that a power move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Coach. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm thinking very on topic here, and hopefully in the uh, third or fourth round I'll have something come to my head, but uh, I'm going to stick to, I guess, the more serious life things, consistency. Consistency mm -hmm. is a power move. Um, you know, you've got to want uh, – you got to want what you want every day, even when you don't want to want it. Right. So it's like when you don't feel like doing all the necessary things, for example, you know, I've got five recruits that I'm supposed to call today. Do I feel like doing that? Hell no. I don't feel like it. You know, it's, but I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, I know that if I don't, then I'm not going to be where I want to be. So, and I'm going to do that every single day. So consistency is a power move for me. Great. And then you will start round three. So you got back to back here. Oh gosh. <laughs> can I, uh, can I trade back? 
I'm, I'm trading my trading my draft spot. You can, you can trade. I'll trade. It's our, it's the first I, I trade I, I ever. I but we, we my third round pick to Joseph. Oh, okay. So, oh, oh man. <laughs> All right. Now that puts me on the clock. It's our first trade ever. That's awesome. This is iconic. <laughs> we're, we're making history on That's this show. Powerful. That's that was a power move. When you, when you have no idea what to say, that's yes. a power move. There you go. Perfect. Okay, on the spot. That's okay. I'm ready to go. Let's see. I will go with um, – you know, I'm going to stay on top. I wasn't sure if I was going to use this one, but you went a little bit more serious and you're going, you know, the professional route. So I'm going to go – I'm going to stay on topic here. Handwritten follow-up and thank you notes for, like, interviews, gifts, what, whatever it is. Take the time, send someone a letter in the mail, you know, handwritten thank you note goes a long way. Very little effort to do it, but it goes a long way. For recruiting also, kind of on yes. topic there too. I like it. All right, Snowman, we'll, uh, we're, we're, we're okay. lost in the, we're, we're finding our way in the snake here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah, that is, that's great. So my third, uh, my third round pick, I'm going to go, uh, can't remember which year it was. But when Tim Duncan won the NBA MVP, he accepted it in jorts and a T-shirt. Like you're sitting there, you know, with the NBA commissioner, and everyone's wearing suits. You got a bunch of suits around you, and you're in jorts and a T-shirt and sandals. I think that's about as you know power move esque as you can get. I love it, man. That's great. All right, Coach mine are not mine are not serious at all. I. Mine are all totally, totally unserious. Coach Horn, you are up. Uh, you are a product of the five people that you surround yourself with. A power move is to surround yourself with the five people that want what you want. Yep. Beautiful. Major life power move. I've never found anything to be more true, and I've got thousands of sample sizes, trust me. <laughs> Seen oh, people yes. screw their lives up. I've seen people elevate based on who they hang out with and who they uh, – Keeping their circle, keeping a small circle is a power move. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, here we are, round four. I'm gonna kick us off here. Well, I have a couple here. I'm gonna go with the last one. Um, I actually did this once. This I did this uh, to uh, to Carla Snowman, Carla Rupp, Carla Barquette. Yep. She had a ton yep. of groceries at the grocery store. And I, uh, I only had like one thing and I helped her carry all her groceries out and, uh, packed up her car. It's a power move. Nice. And it's also, so, a great yeah. way, also a great way for a, for a young, a young man to, uh, you know, maybe go in the middle of the day and some, you know, lovely divorcee who's had a few bottles of white wine, you know, you just want to, just want to lend a helping hand, but that's just how I roll. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. snowman, you're up. Oh, man. I'm up. Okay. Um, so I, this one's simple. I'm just going to go, you know, wearing all black to any event. Mm. I, I think that's power move. Just, you know, show up in all black. Yeah. Game seven, death funeral. Game, game seven. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Cass, you kind of just, you kind of just stole my fourth round there. I was going to say, uh, there's no such thing as overdressing. Ah, yes. There we go. Say my, my power move is there's usually no such thing as overdressing. If you're questioning, uh, oh, semi-formal, oh, business casual, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a power move in my opinion. But what about let – me, let me play devil's advocate and ask about that. Are you an Office fan? Have you seen The Office? Yes. Okay, I got my – by the way. Hopefully, hopefully I've seen brand. this episode. But yes, yeah. I got the, got the Shroot Farm shirt on. But when Jim is in the tuxedo – 
it, you say there's no such thing as overdressing. He kind of gets off on the wrong foot with Charles Minor. Is that overdressing? Well, there's also such thing as common sense. Oh, that's great. That is a great line. I love that. Um, Always dress like the, uh, what's it, the assistants of the general manager or something. Yep. 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 There yep. you go. Exactly. Smart. Do we have any? I have a few honorable mentions. Does anyone else have any honorable mentions? I I have yeah I have one or two. All right, cool. I'm sure I'm sure these are going to spark a few more. Uh, the double venue change on a date. You start yep. at dinner and then and then you know spontaneous spontaneous in the moment, even though you kind of have it planned out if it goes well. You flip the location a little bit. You know, like oh I know this one place. You know, just out of the blue, you could go go there. Keep it going. So double venue change in the date. Power move. Yep. I, I got, uh, so on Robert Downey Jr.'s Twitter bio, it doesn't say anything, but you know who I am. That That's that's about as, you know, ultimate power move as you can get. You know yeah. who I am. That's good. Oh, my God. There's another great power move from Pardon My Take when they were talking about how they were down on the sideline for an LSU Alabama game, and Vince Vaughn was down there. And Big Cat said that he just would went up to him and he goes, the power move is with famous people. You just go up and shake their hands and say, hey, Vince, good to see you again. So they're like, have I met this guy before? Where do I know like, Where do I know him from? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Obviously, they're not going to remember. They meet so many people. Um, so like that's one. Um, and then my last one is this is kind of relevant for us, Snowman, being college kids. It's going to be a power move when we finally transition in our own place where we have a bed that doesn't sit in the corner of the room. <laughs> yep. I, yep. I am uh, currently in that situation, even yeah. at my home here, my house home. But yeah, yeah uh, when I go back to school, hopefully I don't have a bed in the corner, just lodged in the corner. Right. Like you're in a dorm room, even in my apartment. It's yep. like I'm in, I have more space, but it's like I'm in a dorm room. I got it there on the side. Well, boys, um, yeah. I hate to tell you, but I'm 30 years old, and for me, that just happened this past year. So hey, at least you got there. You got <laughs> yep. there. That's bachelor all that matters. Life, man. Single, single bachelor coach that's lived in Ashland, Tiffin, Santa Barbara, and now Winston Salem, North Carolina, bounced around. That just happened for me this past year. How, How bad crazy is that? How crazy is that to go from Tiffin to Santa Barbara? Like. Well, That's see, I had, lived in Santa, I had lived in Santa Barbara beforehand. I was actually a member of the Santa Barbara Track Club, a professional uh, track and field team out there. So that's kind of what's, uh, again, you know, I stress the networking thing. When I was out there, I made plenty of friends and made plenty of friends within the university. So that's what landed me that job, uh, going from Tiffin, winning those two NCAA titles to going out there. Um, it was a pretty good transition. But uh, Santa Barbara, I think it's the most beautiful city in the U.S. You guys should check it out. I'm down. Snowman's coming out to yep. Arizona to visit me soon. Maybe we'll make, well, I don't know. It might, California isn't exactly in the best place. I'm sure not anything's going to be open, but you know, yeah. we'll make a trip. Yeah, eventually. You can't even, you can't even take walks on the beach right now. No. I'm here. So it's true. What's well, the point of going to California? True. Right. That, that's yeah. If you can't use the beach, what is California? Unless you go, up, unless exactly. you go up North, up North, you, you take advantage of all the, the wildlife and all that stuff. Um, one thing I want to wrap up with, you know, because you were talking about how you have some calls with some recruits today and, you know, your power moves were a lot of networking, professional development, stuff like that. And it kind of sparked a right. question. I want to know, you know, like when you're recruiting and speaking to recruits, let's say you got two guys and you got one scholarship spot. 
and you know they're very similar ability wise you know on the track in their events they're very similar and you kind of have to go down the rest of the resume you know whether it's school social media all these other factors what do you look for and when you're in a situation like that you know what's something that could you know make you lean and go one way or the other to give that scholarship to invite them to the wake forest program or whatever wherever program you might be at well, you kind of hit the nail on the head with a couple of things there. Just, you know, first of all, Wake Forest is a very prestigious academic institution. So the transcript is going to speak volumes. Um, not that it's going to be a deciding factor, but just getting in is the number one key. Right. Number two, I really take a look at their family. And, you know, I talk a lot with their mom, their dad. It'll give me a good sense of how they've been raised and what their attitude is going to be like on a day-to-day basis and how consistent they're going to be. That's uh, another thing I look at. And um, I guess number three, if it comes down to their equal and ability, and I appreciate the, you know, greater picture of them, it's going to be first come, first serve. And I'm going to tell them that. Now, obviously, if I'm recruiting them, there's going to be other people recruiting them too, right? So um, sometimes that's a little bit of pressure that you can put on and be like, hey, the scholarship is yours if you take it now. If not, then it may not be here tomorrow. And um, that tactic usually works pretty well for me. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. well, that's great. Um, Coach Horn, Gray Horn, this was really fun. Uh, you have a, you know, an incredible story, an incredible resume, and you continue to that. That's I love how, you know, you you continue to work in track and field and you're obviously passionate about it. And, you know, like you said, coaching runs in the blood there. All, all, all of you guys are coaches, which is great. So thank you again. Uh, this was this was really fun. And thanks for taking the time and just uh, stay safe and healthy out there and hopefully you know we're back to business as usual come come the fall and you're able to be back with your athletes getting ready for uh indoor and outdoor season perfect thanks joseph thanks aj appreciate yep, you guys thank you thank enjoy you. your call of duty with uh coach certainly will <laughs>